I actually have always been pretty big on health and fitness and taking care of myself. But one thing I learned through this whole experience was like, even with all of that, you still never know. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with CEO and founder of Financially Wise Women, Brittany Castro, who shares the life-changing experience she recently underwent that reminds us we must be prepared when life happens. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. Always excited to have an opportunity to share some good wisdom and wealth principles with you. And today is no different. The young lady that I am interviewing today, I met years ago, and she's been such an inspiration, such a light, such a a wonderful human being. I just enjoy being around her. Very upbeat personality. And we recently got back in touch, and I learned that she had been through some really challenging life circumstances. And the way she's been able to navigate just really blew me away. And I thought that she would be excellent for the podcast. If you are new to Redefining Wealth, then you may not know this, but our first pillar at Redefining Wealth is all about fit. It's about becoming your best self. And one of the foundational things we talk about is if you have a vision for your life, It's your responsibility. It's your duty. It's not a luxury, but your responsibility to take care of the vessel needed to protect that vision. And as you'll learn with Brittany, who's coming up shortly, sometimes you can do all that you can do to protect the vessel and life still happens. And so I want that to be a reminder to all of us that we just have a responsibility to take care of ourselves But then also that mentally fit piece that we talk about, how do we navigate when life gets thrown at us and we just weren't expecting it? Because it's one thing to hear that someone who's in their 60s or 70s or 80s might be dealing with some type of health challenge. It's another thing to get dealt a blow like Brittany did in your early 30s. And so I really want to jump in because Brittany's phenomenal And I just think this message is so important. If you're new here, again, a big welcome to you. Make sure you subscribe. Come back every Thursday for a brand new episode. And for my day ones, my regulars, my OGs, (laughs) those of you who tune in week after week and don't let a week go by without listening, I love you. I thank you so much. And please rate and review this episode. Brittany Castro is the founder and CEO of Financially Wise Women, a Los Angeles-based financial planning firm whose mission is to teach women and couples the art of managing their money the fun and simple way. As a certified financial planner, chartered retirement planning counselor, accredited asset management specialist, entrepreneur, and speaker, Brittany works with busy professional women and couples who are ready to make their finances work for them and use their money to live the lives of their dreams. After years of working in the male-dominated world of financial planning, Brittany realized she wanted to work with clients the same way she talks about money with her girlfriends, in a smart, personal, feminine way that's compassionate, fun, and non-judgmental. 
Brittany has become a well-known financial expert and a go-to resource for national media outlets such as CNN, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, CBS, KTLA, Fox 11 News, Glamour, Elle, Marie Claire, Entrepreneur, Women's World, and on and on and on. But without further ado, she's going to share with us not just the money stuff, but the journey it's taken for her to recover from brain surgery. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Brittany. Thank you, Patrice. So excited to be on your podcast. I'm so excited to have you. So, okay, how long has it been that we've actually known each other? Because we met at FinCon, right? Years ago. Years ago. ago. Yeah, I think maybe like four or five years ago because... Man, yeah, flies. It really does. And I've, I've gotten a chance to just see you blossom and grow. I think we've watched each other <laughs> kind well, of you, blossom and grow. Totally. And you've been such an inspiration ever since FinCon, like... And so helpful and supportive of me and my journey and career. So it's just so great to like know you and see like everything that you continue to do. You like you're like a constant reminder to me to just like, yes, keep going, girl. <laughs> like keep going. Uh, I appreciate that. And likewise, I'm I'm totally inspired by you and the enthusiasm that you bring to finance. Cause when I first got into this space, there weren't a lot of us that were, you know, kind of young and hip and trendy and doing it our own way and not being boring <laughs> and stale. And I always think of you as someone who's so upbeat and bright with how you deliver um, financial information. So super excited to have you. I have so many questions and I want to jump in here. The episode title is called When Life Happens. Mm-hmm. And when you reached out to me not too long ago, you kind of casually threw in your email <laughs> that you have been off because you recently underwent brain surgery. Yes. And what was my response, Brittany? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I love you. I know. And I felt like so bad because, you know, I had been dealing with it so much that like, I think I finally got to a place where I was like laughing about it. And then I realized it's probably not good to just like drop that on someone without a little bit more explanation behind it. Yeah. But you were hilarious. I think you wrote back in all caps, like what the, first of all, you can't just drop that. Oh, you can't drop that in any old email and keep going like, yeah. So anyway, let's get together. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, And so first of all, I'm so thankful that you are recovering well and you're doing well, and you sound good, and I can't wait for us to hook up in person and go to lunch again. What I really took from you sharing about your recovery with brain surgery or just going through the process is that it brought you out a little bit of your shell as it comes to like sharing your personal life. And you shared some of your life lessons. And one of the things that I talk to my community about at Redefining Wealth is the fit pillar. That's the first pillar of wealth, in my opinion. And I talk about how we have to protect the vessel needed to execute the vision, right? Like so many people are so like, got to make money, got to grow the business, got to do this. But then we don't necessarily go to the doctor like we should. We don't follow up on aches and pains like we should. And it's like, you get one body. You get one body. And so when it comes to the fit pillar and just understanding that, that you have to protect the vessel, what is probably the greatest lesson 
you've learned through this process about taking care of yourself? I completely agree with you with the fit um, pillar. You know, I actually have always been pretty big on health and fitness and taking care of myself. But one thing I learned through this whole experience was like, even with all of that, you still never know. I eat well, I work out, you know, I'm pretty good with sleep. I do a lot of meditation. I'm very thankful. I have a spiritual teacher and community to like guide me through life but you're still not immune. And I think that was one of my biggest learning lessons. It's like, you just don't know what life has in store for you, what God's plan is for you. And to learn how to like surrender and accept like the biggest things with grace and ease and be supported and loved and know that it's all good, (laughs) no matter how hard it is. You kind of know it in theory, But when you go through something like medically where you're faced with death and you have to like look at death right in your face and like, wow, you realize how finite this existence is and things become, things become, I think just like, you know, when you're faced with this kind of stuff can say like, yeah, things become more real. Okay. Yeah. All that stuff doesn't really matter. Work as much as I love work. It doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't go with you. Money doesn't go with you. Clothes don't go with you. House doesn't go with you. Your loved ones don't go with you. The love goes with you. Your experiences go with you. The legacy and impact you've made, all of that that you have in your heart goes with you, but everything else doesn't. And so I think it just put that into like real crystal clear, like, it became crystal clear for me. And I think now it's been two months since I've had the surgery and I've been recovering very nicely. And I feel very, very blessed to have the great neurosurgeons and doctors and medicine that I have here in California and LA and the United States. But I'm also like rebuilding my whole life with this new awareness. And it's it's been also like on the other side, it's been interesting. It's been frustrating because what used to work doesn't work anymore for me. Mm. So it, it's just been like a whole new, I'm like step-by-step, step, day-by-day, like a life that's unfolding. What's an example of that? What's an example of something that once worked and now six months later doesn't work? Mm-hmm. Well, for example pushing myself and just going, 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 because I am very energetic and I like to do a lot of things in life, not only just work related and career related, but I am like social and going to events and birthdays and dancing and being active. And, but I've also had to learn to like, chill. You got to rest girl. Like you got to just sit there for an hour and just be. So that's one thing that I've learned to schedule into my days And it wasn't like I was working 14, 16 hours before. I I really want to put this into perspective. Like since I started my company five years ago, I've had awareness to have a lot of balance and not just be work oriented. But even now it's a little bit more like, nope, for an hour, you're just going to chill and like relax, you know, and to like actually schedule that into my calendar Mm -hmm. Um, and not over book, not overwrite it, you know, like, oh, so I'm just going to take that out now. And another thing, just like, I don't know, it's just like I got a fire, like, okay, great, let's do it. No more BS, let's do it. I don't have time just to kind of waste with 
Yeah. Like petty stuff, but like, great, let's do it. Whether it's work. Okay, cool. What's happening? Fix it. I hired a few new people because I'm really like delegating more work and to allow me that freedom that I had to like go through the surgery and then recover for a month. Like that became really like, okay, I got to build my business to have even more of that in the future, that freedom and flexibility to step away from when life happens, because it's not, it's not only going to be this experience in my lifetime. There's going to be other things that are going to come along that I'm going to need and want that freedom that I had and that I built and created for myself. I think it's so important to take away, especially for entrepreneurs who are listening, that you started the process of building in that type of flexibility and freedom from being chained and tied to your business five years ago. Like you set the intention before it was even needed. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so important because that's what takes most business owners out. You know, even for myself, when I went on bed rest for 10 weeks in the hospital before my daughter was born mm-hmm. at the height of the recession, I was the one, you know, I had staff, but everyone was used to me doing everything. I wasn't great at delegating. I delegated what, you know, I definitely had to, and there was more I should have delegated. And when I ended up in the hospital and couldn't deal with everyone calling me and stressing me out because my baby's life was literally like in the balance, that was the first time I realized like, man, (laughs) you should have set this up differently. I was in the hospital on bed rest with the markets crashing. And it was like, hmm, I really wish I would have taught (laughs) so-and-so how to do this. Or I really wish I would have done better with delegating to so-and-so. And I just think it's incredible, especially as young as you are, that you had that foresight. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, I didn't know that about your personal story with the bed rest, but yeah, it's so important. Like now I'm like, okay, delegate, getting the operations and systems more refined. Mm -hmm. Like that is my focus in the business over the next six months is to really get all of that, the business operating. And I just managed like the team and the systems, Yeah, but it's, it's tricky. It's not, it's not like just pretty straightforward. One, it takes me letting go even more and trusting. And then even being like really honest with people, like, here's where we're at, like with my clients, with everyone, like we're going, or I'm hiring, I'm bringing in new people, we're delegating, please give us your feedback. We want to make this streamlined, but also be patient with us as we go through this, because, you know, there's going to be errors. We're human. It's not like I can avoid everything. But, you know, I think people really appreciate just the honesty of where you're at. I've really gotten like, oh, that's all they want to know. Yeah, I love that. So I want to get into some of the life lessons that you learned. I was reading your blog, and one of the ones you talked about was giving and receiving. And you talked about um, how you have been giving to others and that now you're in a position to gracefully receive what comes back. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think give to receive, we've all heard it. We all know what it means, but especially in life, and and, you know, it relates to money for sure. There's the allowing it to come back that I think can be difficult for people, you know, and I think especially for you know, ambitious women, we, we, we can do it all. We can really take care of a lot of things, but also to learn 
you don't have to. And actually, it might not be good for your health to do it all anyway. So allowing people to help you, it seems pretty like easy, like, of course, why wouldn't you? But it really (laughs) surrender. Like it takes like, oh, first of all, you have to be very clear and vulnerable and say, I need help. I need you to just be with me. I just need to like express emotionally, or I need you to come to this doctor's appointment or help me as I take care of my finances or whatever it is. Um, You have to allow people to be there. And it's really interesting because when I was so surrendered and after surgery, especially like I couldn't do anything for myself. So I really saw that it's so important to be able to open to that and people love it. People want to give. And when you block it, it, it's not good for anybody because I always think about it for myself. Like I feel good when I'm giving. And if someone's like blocking that, then it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to help you anyway. <laughs> if you want to help someone and people, then someone's like, no, I don't want your help. Then you kind of feel like, oh, okay. So then on the flip side of that, if people are trying to do that to me and I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need your help or I got it. Even if I am good, like just allow them to be with me. Yeah. You know? I love when people would say like, or tell someone no, and they would try to give me something and they'd be like, don't block my blessing. I'm like, well, you're right. Let me help you get your blessing then. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I really love that. Yeah, it's so true. Don't block it. One of the things that I've learned, and I talked about giving and receiving and real money answers for every woman. And I did a test with like several girlfriends over, I think a period of a few weeks, but The test was, if you're really a good giver, a great giver knows how to be a great receiver as well. And one of the things that we tested was how we receive compliments. How you accept a compliment says a lot about your whole mindset around giving and receiving. And I started to look at when people would say, oh, I love your shoes. I would say, oh, these old things or oh, I got these on sale, or I would immediately discount it instead of letting it land. I had some of my girlfriends try it out too. And we all came back a couple weeks later, like, oh my gosh, I am not good with receiving. But giving and receiving is a, it's a cycle. Like they go hand in hand. So if you're not great with receiving, it really makes you question whether you're the giver that you think you are. Exactly. And I feel like I love that. And I feel like if you're not really receiving, then you're not really giving either because it might be coming from the wrong place because like to give is just to like graciously do it. Not because you have to, or think it's not like a manipulative thing. It was so like obvious, beautiful to me too, to like experience the receiving because like all coming back to me, like the love of like, people like literally like showing up. I had every day, like a different friend stay with me, a different friend be with me, feed me, like take care of me. We had like this whole like schedule and people on the wait list. I mean, it was so beautiful. (laughs) It really was like amazing because I wasn't expecting it or feeling entitled to it, but they wanted to. And then I realized, oh my God, this is like a reflection of what I've given out in the world and to receive it back and feel like, Oh my God, all the abundance of love. I was like, ah, this is such like a great feeling. And then it made me like, feel really good about myself. I don't know, want to continue that flow of give to receive. Yeah. 
I think the incredible thing is, though, you wouldn't even realize the true essence of the impact you've made had you not gone through this experience. Yeah. You never know if you need people or if they would actually pick up the phone when you call or show up when you need them until you need them. Like, you don't know until you're in that position. Yeah. Man. Okay. Another life lesson you talked about, which stood out to me, was meditation. And that was another thing you said you've been doing for the last five years. And it was a buildup to help get you through this event. So can you talk about how you started to incorporate meditation five years ago and why? Yeah, actually. So five years ago, before I started my company, I, I, you know, I had one of those like kind of like life rehauls, overhauls, whatever you want to describe. I ended this long-term relationship with a, a boyfriend and I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own financial firm, live alone for the first time and just go for it and do whatever. Cause I kind of was at this point where the life that I would thought I was supposed to live didn't work out. So F it all, man, I'm just gonna, <laughs> <laughs> like go for whatever, you know? And at that time I had this new client financial planning client. And she was like a woman like my age. And I remember she came into my office and was like, Oh, I really like this woman's energy. And I would like been doing different like meditation workshops around town or like reading different books and looking for something spiritually to, to ground myself and realize the higher purpose of this life. I hadn't found that community that resonated with me. And when she came into my office, I just like immediately was attracted to her energy. And so I wanted to become her friend because I was like, oh, I'm building a whole new life. I need new friends. Anyway, a few months later, she told me about a meditation retreat and I eventually went. And after that, I was just like, I found it. You know, I found my people, my community and the spiritual teacher to really give me these tools about life and how to go through life and remember what it's all for. And and so through that, I started meditating regularly every day, do meditation retreats every month. I even did like a month of silence. Um, a like, month of silence? Yeah. A few years ago, there's a meditation retreat in like the high desert. And so I, I lived there for a month and just, it was the best experience ever, but to really like be with myself and go deeper with like meditation and silence and watch my thoughts and realize I'm not my thoughts. I mean, it it gave me a lot of tools. And so truly that's how I was able to get through this whole experience. Cause I really see not only from like the physical element of it to surrender to the fact that I had a brain aneurysm and I have to like do the surgery to prevent it from erupting, which causes, you know, could cause stroke or death, which is Uh very hard about it to emotionally feel all the feelings physically realize my body is temporary. I'm beyond my body, Uh but then to like always bring myself back because the meditation that I do is truly just to like bring me to the present and remember I'm not my past. The future is not here. So why, what's the point of worrying about all of it or overthinking just to be here. And that is actually what helps me stay like calm and centered and not go into anxiety or overwhelm or all of that stuff. But I do see like if I didn't have meditation and all of these tools and all of the like community to support me, how like an event like this can really leave you like completely devastated or depressed Uh or 
like real stuff, you know, yeah. like angry or resentful, like, cause it, it still came. It wasn't like, I'm like immune to all of that. No, I had all those feelings. Like I was really pissed. I was like, what the F man? I'm only, I'm like 30 in my thirties. I'm, I'm not supposed to deal with this. Like I'm not supposed to worry about brain surgery right now. I'm not supposed to have to get all my legal documents and think about death. No, I want to get married. I want to have a baby. You know, it's like all these things. And then I would get completely sad and like depressed. And then I would feel like, oh my God, you know, it's just completely scared. Like I could mm-hmm. die. I can like something could happen. I still had all of those, but through meditation, I was able to f- surrender to the feelings and feel them, not like push them down, not pretend mm-hmm. they're not there. Like go into the feeling completely, like saw my eyes out, like yell as much as I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then realize. Okay. It's kind of like a child, you know, it's like once you move, like a really just allow yourself to feel, then you're like, okay, now I'm done. And then you go on <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. I think as an adult, it's just good to do whatever meditation, something to bring you to the present, allow yourself to feel the feelings, which are real mm-hmm. and then move through them and pass them. And, you know, if you watch a child, they're very good at this, but mm-hmm. throughout society or whatever school we we almost like educate that away no you're supposed to be this way and you're not supposed to have feelings I don't know it's almost like weird if you see someone crying in public but why is that weird right maybe they're having a bad day maybe they just lost a loved one but to allow ourselves to be these spiritual beings and having a human experience I think it's it's like beautiful and it takes a lot of courage but it is very inspirational when you see people do it. And Mm -hmm. when you do it yourself, you really move through life and you have a deeper, richer life, I think. Oh, I so agree. And to your point, it's one of the reasons why ever since my daughter was little, she's 10 now, but ever since she was little, maybe three, four years old, you know, when she would come home from like pre-K and say that someone made her mad or upset or whatever, I would let her just have her moment. You know, I would watch people say, you know, kind of squash it like, no, you can't be mad. You can't be this. And I would tell my daughter, you have every right to be mad. You have every right to feel like you had a bad day. You may not want to talk to mommy about it and you don't have to. If you want to go to your room and have a moment, (laughs) take a beat, you know, and, and have some alone time, you are welcome to that. And to this day, she's 10 years old now. And some days, you know, on a regular basis, she'll get in the car and have a million stories. And then some days she's so frustrated with the day that she'll be like, mom, I just don't feel like talking about it right now. And I know when I was growing up, my mom would have been like, what'd you say? (laughs) You don't tell me you don't feel like talking about it. But with my daughter, I mean, I respect her as a human being and she's entitled to her emotions, not to be rude. And she's never been rude about it, but she's welcome to say, you know what? I'm just not feeling it today. I just feel like going to my room and crying. Girl, go for it. Go have at it. And when you're ready to talk, mom is here. And I just wish that we were allowed, to your point, to have an opportunity to express those emotions openly more often instead of feeling like we have to keep up this facade that everything is okay. Because everything is not okay. And even when you're in the midst of crisis and your faith is telling you that things are going to be okay, you want to lean into that faith and turn and trust that something bigger is happening 
um, here, it doesn't exempt you from still having those other emotions. You're human and you're entitled. So thank you for sharing that because it's really easy to say like, oh, I went through this process and I meditated and it was very zen and, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Everyone else is like, okay. I know. (laughs) Well, and that's actually like the part about spirituality that I always like was in conflict with because I I thought that's what it meant. But I'm like, no, it's just like, you still have all the emotions. You still go through life and all the ups and downs of life, but you have tools to mm-hmm. be present to it and consciously move through it. And I feel that it's so important to do that. And it's beautiful that you give your daughter that kind of freedom to do it. I mean, I, I was just like smiling. I was like, oh, what a good mom you are. And we can give that to ourselves. And there's no rules telling us that we can't. I think it just takes that awareness and courage to like live that way. I'm telling you when you do, you give yourself a whole new way of living and you inspire others to feel their feelings too. Yeah. And one of the last ones, I know you had several, but one of the last ones that stood out and you keep talking about it, it's my favorite word actually, which is surrender. I did a whole podcast episode about not being selective with your surrender And I just have to quote you here. You say, to face death and surrender to the unknown takes a lot of courage. But every time I was able to, I felt more and more powerful. I was trusting in something bigger than myself all the way up to the operating table and afterward. I learned how surrendering really is the key to life. I had to accept and feel the emotions that come with it. So powerful. So powerful. And... I really wish, going back to just thinking about kids and and childhood, that we understood the power of surrendering earlier. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many times in my life, I don't know about you, it's, it's like really when I get to a point of surrendering, it's usually something pretty catastrophic going on at that point. It's like, I feel like at that moment, I've been through hell and back and I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. But I wish that I had learned sooner that you have a choice to surrender sooner, quicker, faster, and you can do it in little things and even the big things. But just that ability to know and trust that something bigger than yourself is always at play. My gosh, it just frees you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a big one. I mean, it, it, when you were reading, I was like, wow, I wrote that. I got all, <laughs> I got all teary-eyed. But yeah, it's so true. I mean, and it's, a reminder that surrender is not resigning. Like you're not resigning, you know, mm-hmm. you're still actively in life. It's just surrendering, like you've said, to the bigger plan that you cannot see. And that means giving up control. That means trusting. That means allowing those emotions, allowing people to see you vulnerable. Mm-hmm being vulnerable with others, you know, so there's just a lot of beauty that comes out of it. And one thing that I've learned through the spiritual teachings that I have is just that if you can't surrender to the moment, surrender to the feelings that you have with Mm -hmm. it, because even like you said, you know, maybe you are dealing with something really big and you can't surrender to that yet, you know, but you are very angry or sad about it. So just surrender that you're angry or sad, you know, and allow that because I think that's a step too, to really be with life and flow in the river of life 
you know, it takes dropping the mind and that's not always an easy thing. Yeah. So because you're a financial planner, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of why having your financial and legal affairs in order is so necessary. One of the things that you mentioned was that you use money to build your ideal life, right? And you talked about in your blog post, which I will link to in the show notes, that you had a healthy cash cushion, which allowed you the freedom to take the time you needed to recover. So when you are working with people as a financial planner, I mean, first of all, now you have this story to really drive home (laughs) why we can't delay. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, life happens and we still need to be prepared. So how do you go about, I guess, before and after kind of teaching people the importance of this piece that having that cash cushion really gives you the choice and the freedom to deal with life when it happens? Having a cash cushion is always important. And I think when you go through life's challenges or whatever it might be, you also see the importance of the cash. So for example, I I had cash. Now I have to rebuild my cash cushion, by the way, you know, so that's like an ongoing But it really did allow me to feel grateful for like the work that I had done in my own financial life to have that time and money and and take care of myself in a different way. And it's interesting because I even had some people say, oh, well, you're so lucky. You work for yourself. You're able to take time off and do what you need to do. I was like, lucky? No, (laughs) I built this. I created this. You know, I have consciously worked day and day out to have this business and lifestyle that you may think is like very blessed and privileged and it is, but it wasn't like I was handed this. And I say that to give people their personal power back, because I think a lot of times we play victim and in our financial lives and we say, Oh, well, you know, I can't have the cash cushion for whatever reason, or it's so difficult to build. And it's like, no, you can, you really can. And everyone can do it. Everyone can change their financial status, maybe yours is already great and you want to make it even greater, or maybe Mm -hmm. in a a sticky situation and you want to make it better for yourself, whatever it is, you can change it. But I, I just think you talk a lot about this. Having the cash cushion is not just for emergencies. It's also for opportunities, Mm -hmm. you know? So in, in the past, I've used my cash cushion to start this business. I had the opportunity to start a business and I use my cash for that. And, you know, this last time I used my cash to get me through my medical stuff. So you just never know when you're going to need it. But now with clients, I really just remind them that life is always going to happen. So we need to like do our best to plan as much as we can. And then even when you plan and have the best plan, you still got to be like, okay, how am I going to deal with this? And, you know, move through it in the presence and just bring in my personal story, but also like talk to them. I've always been really good at this, but talk to them to build the personal connection with each one of our clients to make sure Mm -hmm. that we understand them and what they want and their personal money story and financial goals and tailor it so that they can see and feel like the importance of whatever it is we're recommending and get them to do it. One of the things that I find, Brittany, is that when I meet people, I want to say my age or younger, but now that I'm getting older, this is not as true anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but when I started several years ago, 10 years ago, the more I talked to people that were my peers, I guess I should say, they're like, well, I don't have life insurance because I don't have children. So I don't need it. You know, something happens to me, my parents will bury me. Or I don't have X, Y, and Z, or I don't really care about savings because there was always this like, because, and I, and I'm just like, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Mm, Better to just have something in place for that just in case, because we all think, especially when we're younger, that we're invincible. Yeah. That, I mean, this won't happen to me. I shared with you offline that when I was a senior in high school, my dad had a brain aneurysm and had brain surgery as well. And he's still here today, kicking and getting on everyone's nerves. <laughs> but, <laughs> <Love him>. but, <laughs> but he did as well. And so at that time for him to be, I don't know, late 50s or 60 during that time, you know, it was kind of like, okay, you just accept it as a, well, you're that age. It's like, there's just certain things you don't hear about. But even in my family, someone close to us recently had a stroke at 40. And so there's just so much, especially with how we live our lives now, though. Like we're so on all the time and so connected all the time um, and just kind of running around and able to just go to and fro so easily that we're just always on the go, that we're just living our lives a lot differently now. And the chances of us needing to be prepared for when life happens are just greater. Like it just is what it is. I don't have the statistic breakdown. I don't have the statistics on this, but just from people who are in my circle and folks that I know, it's to me, it's more and more evident that we don't have the option or the luxury of not being prepared. A hundred percent. I agree. And like you said, have it and not need it. That is the best scenario. And When we do financial planning, we talk about budgeting, getting income you need and deserve, having the cash, having the right insurance, you know, obviously health insurance, but disability insurance, life insurance. I think the disability even too, it's people always think, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm never going to get sick or injured. Luckily, I have a really good long-term care disability, but this was like a short-term thing. So that's why, you know, the cash cushion came into hand, you know, handy for this situation. But even with the long-term care disability, now I'm like, you need this even more. I've always been a big, like, big advocate for it because I think one of the first things people say is like, no, I'm always going to be able to work. I have my laptop. I'll be able to work somehow. And I'm like, you're kidding me. If you're recovering from surgery or illness or cancer, do you want to log in and have to work and email people when you're recovering? You don't. I don't. No. And it's having the freedom not to. Okay. You know, you could still do it. Great. But like, if you're really going through a sickness or injury and recovery, you want that freedom. So disability insurance is key. It's protecting your ability to earn money, which is so important. But yeah, I agree. You know, just having all the things in place become more important when you have that awareness. And I think you'll have a lot more peace of mind. Financial planning is very interesting. I know you know this and talk a lot about it, but a lot of people think, that it's like a luxury 
And it's not, it's, it's a necessity. Everybody mm-hmm. needs financial planning. Everybody needs a financial education. And it's really up to you individually to go and seek it out, whether you're listening to, to this podcast, reading your books or attending a workshop or hiring a financial planner, whatever form and method, but it's your responsibility. It's your life. It's your money. So you got to take charge. And it's really, once you do and take that first step, it's not as scary as you think. It's not even as overwhelming as you think, but it is the unknown. So I know there's a lot of fear with that. And there's a lot of fear with thinking, people thinking I'm in a bad scenario. It's never going to get better. Or maybe whatever the financial planner is going to tell me, I'll never be able to retire. (laughs) You know, there's all these fears in our head. And I'm telling you like, And most are irrational. Most are irrational and fake. Like no matter if it's money related or not, most of whatever is in our head is not real. So it does take courage. It takes that consistency just to constantly seek out what you need in your life in all areas and get it for yourself. Yeah. I think the other part of this too, you talked about getting your legal documents in order. And how you had to have some pretty important conversations about, you know, who will make decisions for you and who will take care of things in case something happened. I can't even imagine what that's like in the midst of being in a season where this is like real life. Like I've had these conversations with my estate planner and even when my husband and I had to come home and sit down and talk about you know, what would happen? We travel together a lot. So what would happen if something happened to both of us? Where would Reagan go? Who would raise her? How would the money be distributed? What stipulations would we leave in place? Like all these different things. Those are hard conversations, but so necessary. What was that like in the midst of? So beautiful that you have all that in place. And yeah, they're hard conversations and it takes courage to even have those conversations. In the midst of it, I would say, uh, luckily I had a majority of it done, but, you know, just making sure it was updated and even more, you know, you just don't think, you just don't know what you don't know until you go through it. But it was actually very like intimate too. It was a very beautiful experience to be so emotional and vulnerable and have those conversations with the people that I elected. I mean, it makes me like emotional thinking about it, but it's such like a beautiful experience too. Mm -hmm. And like, now that I've had it, it's like almost like a gift because those relationships have gotten even deeper and I have a deeper connection to my family and my, you know, closest friends who are almost like my family, you know, my other family. And so it's funny how often we, we fear the things that are actually like the best things <laughs> to happen in life. You know, these conversations, the estate planning, the life insurance, of course, it's scary. We're thinking about our death and our mortality, and that brings up a lot. But when you go through it and really feel it and have these vulnerable experiences, they're oftentimes could be really beautiful and life-changing and some of your best blessings in life. So it was like such a sweet experience for me. I have to say too, I was really surprised by some of my husband's responses. And he was surprised by mine too, when we were just fleshing this all out and talking about it. And you're right. It was scary. And it was one of those conversations where we told the attorney, 
that we would have it back to him by a certain day. But then we kept putting off talking about it for like, <laughs> yeah. for like three days. It was like, okay, tonight. Okay, in the morning. Okay, after lunch. Okay, tomorrow morning. It was getting ridiculous. But when we finally went through it, it was beautiful to see how on the same page we were, but then just how we process things mm-hmm. and how he even talked about what he would do if something just happened to me. And and just, it was just like, wow, it made us closer. It made us like, wow, I didn't even realize that that's how you see me on a daily basis or what I mean. Because you get caught up in life and just going through the motions. And those are not always conversations, obviously, that you stop to check in on. And like you said, not only is it one of those things that you really just, you need to check off the list. Like, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity for all of us. But in the process, you learn a lot about yourself and potentially your partner. Just makes you appreciate life, I think, a bit more. I agree. what it takes to really be you. (laughs) Yeah, you really do. I love that you said that because you do get like a great appreciation for yourself, Mm -hmm. like in everything that you do and are and in life. And I think that is such a gift. But it, I love that you said that because really... Like what an example of having the money, you know, cause it's money related, finance related, mm-hmm. those hard conversations, but then getting on the other side and realizing how it actually helped your relationship and made it deeper. And, you know, there's a different, you know, maybe appreciation and love now, because I think you know, money is also still a big conflict in a lot of relationships. And yeah. when you get over that hurdle of your own fear or whatever it is holding you back from doing the things that you know you need to do with or without your significant other, you'd be surprised at all the benefits that come from it, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Okay. So Brittany... We're going to lunch, so we'll continue our girlfriend conversation later. (laughs) So right now, I'm going to ask you what we call Redefining Wealth Rapid Wisdom Questions. And there are just a few questions, and I just want you to tell us the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Perfect. How do you define success? Living your most authentic life, having as much fun as possible, and giving and receiving as much love as possible. Oh, I love that. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Ooh, freedom, abundance, and I would say love. I think if you have a lot of love, you live a wealthy life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, what good is it to have a bunch of money and no one likes you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Ooh, so many, all of yours. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, I would say my, my ultimate like finance book is um, the science of getting rich. I mean, that one is just, mm. that one's an old classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot about wealth consciousness in there. Yeah. The I love it. I'll link to it in the show notes. Love it. Okay. And fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Brittany Castro, and the truth about wealth is it is available to anyone, and it doesn't mean what you think it means. Open up to it, and you can have the most wealthy, abundant life that you dream of. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much, Brittany. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing so authentically your journey with us through this process, through this recovery and all the life lessons. I definitely feel motivated to check in with all of my legal paperwork in particular, because you just don't know. And as much as we talk about the fit pillar and we talk about becoming our best self and making sure we are taking care of ourselves, we're not immune, like you said, and we still need to be prepared. And so thank you so much for just bringing that awareness to the show. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me and thanks for all the listeners. And I think If you can take away anything, I hope it just inspires you to take action, whether it's in your health or financial life, do the thing that scares you the most. And I guarantee you probably will come out feeling really good afterward. That's awesome. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you. Okay. Wasn't Brittany great? I mean, she just gave us so much to chew on, so much to think about. And I really have to stress this because if this data is correct, the bulk of my audience, you are in your late 20s to mid 40s. And it is so imperative that you get your financial house in order. We all have heard and we know that tomorrow is never promised, yet we live our lives like we have an eternity. And if you're a parent, If you're in a relationship, if you really are anyone, (laughs) you need to have this stuff in order. You need to know who is going to take care of your affairs, who's going to make the final decisions for you if things don't turn out the way that we hope. Like, where's your money going to go? How is it going to be spent? In what manner? Like, there's so much to think about, and I don't want it to be overwhelming, but I want it to be a wake-up call that we have to have these conversations. And I really love how Brittany has been able to navigate through this process. If you are someone who's always on the go, always busy, always rushing, you haven't had time to invest in creating relationships that matter, like we talk about in the people pillar, or meditating, or getting your spiritual practices down and in order. The reason I talk so much about those things is because when life happens, All of those are the pillars you have to tap back into. You got to tap into your relationships. When you call, who will answer the phone and who will send you to voicemail? Because it's going to be based on the investment that you make now when you're healthy, when you're strong, when you're able-bodied, when you don't need anyone. But if all of a sudden when you're sick, you want to start calling, mm, for some people, it's going to be too late. If you don't want to really build that connection with that higher power, with whomever you call your creator, now it becomes more difficult when you are in a state of shock, when you are upset, when you're angry. It becomes more difficult to really lean in. So you want that to be a habit that you already have. Life is going to happen. It just is. It doesn't have to be health. It could be relationally. It could be financially. There's so many different challenges that we experience over a lifetime. And a part of redefining wealth is setting your life up so that when those things happen, you can weather the storm masterfully. Not perfectly, but you have a different set of tools to help guide you through the process. 
I think it really makes the difference between people who unfortunately fall apart during tough times and those who are resilient. You know, people always say to me, you're so strong. I don't, I don't know that I'm so strong, but I know that I'm very religious with my self-care practices and how I take care of myself and how I treat people and just in so many different areas that I don't have a fear of not being loved or doted on when I'm in the midst. I think if anything, it'll be my willingness to give myself permission to accept it, but not that people won't give it. So there's a lot to think about. There really is. I hope that this episode really stirs something up in you and makes you want to get into action like Brittany talked about. I definitely am. After our interview, I started to set up a follow-up appointment with our estate planner. Haven't been there in a year and a lot's changed. We've sold property. We've bought property. We've had some different decisions just in life and it's time to update those documents. And Brittany really reminded me of that. And so I'm passing that on to you. So I hope you learned something. Make sure you hit me up in social media. I'm at Seek Wisdom PCW. And if you are in need of someone to kind of hold your hand through the financial planning process, there's going to be a link to Brittany's website, Financially Wise Women. Check her out. I would not tell you, I would not steer you in, a, in the wrong direction. She's a great woman. I've known her for several years now. Very consistent in just how she shows up in life. And I'm so glad that she's still here, she's still present, and that we have an opportunity to really continue to build our relationship, hopefully more intimately. So make sure you check her up. I'll link to all of her social media. Go tell her, God bless her. Go go give her a little nudge. Make the time she spent with me worth it and the time she poured into you. Make it worth it. Go just tell her you're glad she's still here, you know? We need that from time to time. Remember, even those who are encouragers need encouraging. So until next time, guys, I'm out of here. Remember, the only reason I'm here, though, is to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Later.